Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design 101. How to design a beautiful home and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and life. Who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty, and my team and I do the best damn design in the country. But I'll help you create a beautiful design that is also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, this is Amanda Gates, and today on Home Energy Design, we're going to be talking all things feng shui. I get asked all the time questions like, what type of feng shui do you practice? How did you get into feng shui? Why do you even like feng shui? How do I choose a feng shui practitioner? Are there different schools of feng shui? What's the best kind? I get questions like these all the time. So today we're going to be talking feng shui. We're going to talk about these questions and so much more so that you have a better understanding of how I create designs that are energy aligned. For me, feng shui is my secret weapon. You can spend a gazillion dollars on your interior design, but if you don't get this one ingredient right, if you pass this up and go straight for the pretty, Your home, your environment is always going to feel off. This to me was my secret weapon when I was working on my first home, Bobo. And when I finally figured out this secret ingredient, this, this one thing changed everything. So that is how I got into feng shui. But if you've had questions like these and have been unsure of how to navigate the waters, otherwise known as feng shui, then this podcast is for you. In those early days of me creating a beautiful house, I skipped straight to the pretty. It's my favorite part. I love the pretty. I love all the expensive things. I love being surrounded by beautiful things. It made perfect sense until it didn't feel right until it just felt off and I couldn't put my finger on it. And that is when I discovered feng shui. Now, if you're asking yourself, what types of feng shui is there? Well, when it comes to feng shui, there's basically three schools of thought. There's traditional or classical, modern or pyramid, and then what I practice, which is BTB. So let's dive into what each one of these are so that you can have a better understanding of the types of schools that are out there. So traditional is basically based on the form and compass theories. It examines shapes and symbolism. Classical or compass schools utilize a low pan or compass to determine directions and locations based on the Bagua map. And hey, FYI, if you're unsure of what the Bagua map is, be sure to check out podcast five where I go into all the details about what it is, how to place it on your home, and how to use it. Within this category, you'll find schools like Flying Star, the Eight Mansions, and even Four Pillars. The second kind of school is Modern or Pyramid. 
This is more of an adaptation of traditional feng shui that utilizes adjustments that practitioners feel are a little bit more appropriate for modern day lifestyles. It's also a little bit more widely accepted for clients, mainly because it focuses a little bit more on the tangible, visible aspect, so it's a little bit easier for people to understand. The last school, which is my school, and it's BTB. This school was brought over to the States in the mid-80s by Grandmaster Lin Yun. This school is based on Tibetan Buddhism, Taoism, and classical feng shui. Now, BTB is what I practice. In my early days of working on that first house, her name was Bobo, I could feel down into my bones that something was off. I had no idea at the time that I was being affected by her chi. My house had many design details that were preventing chi from flowing. And that included the fact that we weren't even using our front door. When I had an unusual experience at the local Borders bookstore with a metaphysics instructor and intuitive, I was sent down the rabbit hole of feng shui and learned everything I possibly could get my hands on. In those early days after meeting Marlene, I studied BTB. I had a small field guide called Feng Shui, How to Increase Love, Luck, and Happiness that was based on BTB principles, a couple of other books combined with my classic I Ching. Lord have mercy, it might as well have been Greek. But here we are 20 years later, and I love it. When I signed up for design school, my first grandmaster, Marcy, had also studied under Professor Lynn in Berkeley. And let me tell you, I was so hooked. It just, it made sense to me. It gave me all the reasons that I could not pinpoint as to why my home just felt awful. I could just feel it down into my solar plexus which is a chakra that's basically those butterflies that you feel in your stomach. I felt icky all the time. I liked feng shui because to me, it made sense. It was explaining to me why I could feel things and could not see them. And the things that I could see, all that pretty stuff, all that expensive stuff, wasn't making that icky feeling go away. From about 1998, to 2005, I practiced solely BTB. It was well received in California and I loved how magical and transcendental it was. I just ate it up. What I loved most about it is that as I implemented its easy principles and fairly easy adjustments, it immediately made a difference. I felt better. The home felt better. To me, it was vibrating in a healthier way. And when we unblocked that front door that we didn't have access to for a year, it was like I was able to finally take a deep, long breath of fresh air. I can't explain it, but I could feel it. And I could feel a difference in how my home and life were going. It changed everything. I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was, and I sure as shit couldn't explain it. But it was working. And after that, I was sold. I used its principles on anybody who would listen to me. I literally did all of my friends' homes, my family's homes, and I swear to God, my mother, God bless her, she put up with me every place that we went. I was constantly blurting out things that could be changed or done to make that business or that place or that home better. 
And even when my mom and I went to Las Vegas, my then husband and I, we got transferred there for a short amount of time. My poor mother, I drug her all over Las Vegas with this poor real estate agent. I think it was uh, Linda Dyson. And this poor woman showed us house after house after house. And some of them, I would not even get out of the car because of the location or because it was at a T intersection or the way that the chi flowed around the home. She must have thought I was nuts. But I was adamant. This home was not going to be like my last home. While I loved Bobo dearly, I wanted to make sure that I really got this one right. And I wanted the feng shui to be as best as possible. And despite looking at over 25 homes in one day, I swear I was driving this poor real estate agent crazy. She just wanted me to buy a damn house. And every single home that I looked at, something had an issue that I was not crazy about. So whether I refused to get out of the car or just simply walk in the front door, a lot of the homes that I looked at, I just wouldn't even consider. Not only did I go based on their feng shui, but I was going based on how they felt. And I think this is something that a lot of people miss. When you buy a home, don't rush into the front door. Get out of the car. Experience what the feeling is around the home. How does the yard feel? How does the energy around the home feel? What's the neighborhood like? Does it feel vibrant? Does it feel closed off? Does it feel amazing? Really take it in and experience it. And do the same thing as you walk through the home. If you really sit in it and pay attention to how it feels, you're going to experience stuff. And that, my friends, is the feng shui. After that short stint in Vegas, my then husband and I moved to Nashville. However, I didn't feel like it was really well received. This crazy transcendental feng shui that I was practicing. So I decided that it might be time to start working in other modalities and maybe look into an experiment with the pyramid and modern schools. I even experimented for a short while the compass school. While I did really appreciate the practicality of these more modern ways and how it was really received by my not so open clients, I really didn't like the results. It just didn't sit well with me. I really didn't realize how much I had fallen in love with the BTB practice. For me, it just wasn't quite the same. I really wanted a deep spiritual connection and I personally wasn't getting it from the other schools of thought. But I need to say that I do have friends that practice this other style and love it. And mainly they like it because it's not quite as rigid. So. Each practitioner approaches their feng shui in a much different way, and that's okay. But in 2010, I decided, you know what, this other way just isn't really working for me. I just was not resonating with it, and I really felt like I was forcing it. And it was probably because it's where I had started. So I went back to my roots, and I started back up with BTB again. I went on to study under three grandmasters, who also studied directly under Professor Lin. 
And my latest grandmaster worked directly under grandmaster Lin Yun for 25 years. I still practice under a grandmaster to this day because I consider this a lifetime study. This is something that is actually said to be a mini lifetime study. There's so much information to be learned and there's so many different mantras and meditations and adjustments. I get over 50 to 100 new documents every single month for my grandmaster on new ways to approach feng shui. I have so many four inch full binders of documents regarding feng shui and I get more every single month. But we're taught in my school to accept and acknowledge the help and knowledge of all. We really do seek support from one another. So another question I get a lot, well, okay, great. You're obviously very passionate about this BTB, but what the hell does it mean? What does that even, what what type of feng shui even is this? So BTB actually breaks down to black sect tantric Buddhism. BTB for short. But when you say it in full, it is often very, very misunderstood. So let's break it down so that you have a better understanding of it. And I apologize that I can't go into greater depth on the other schools, but I haven't practiced them for nearly as long, so I don't know nearly as much about them. So I'm going to educate you on what I know. Black sect is merely a way of thinking. It's a school, sect means school. And our school brings the visible and the invisible aspects of space together. That's where we get that really big word, transcendental. Tantric is a very misunderstood word, right? So many sexual connotations around the word tantric because of the uh, tantric book around sex. But tantric is actually a Sanskrit word that's derived from Hinduism and Buddhist esoteric traditions and all it comes down to that what tantra means is it's just a theory or a technique has nothing to do with sex it's just merely a theory or technique and it's a method that brings enlightenment and so when we're working on feng shui and we're working on this energetic level that's exactly what we're trying to do right we're trying to use a technique to enlighten you about your space and your environment. So because of this, and because BTB adjustments are not appreciated, and they're often very misunderstood, many of the methods that we are taught have been very, very secretive or kept secret because they've been misused, uh, they've been ignored, and a lot of times they're not appreciated. It's believed that the best adjustment is the one that is only given at the right time and the right place. And the results will be compromised if it's forced. So I've had people who want me to give like a one and done style of feng shui. I I do a lot of like Facebook live uh, floor plan readings. I've done a couple of them here on the podcast. And, you know, I'm always worried that people are going to be upset because I don't share Uh, exactly how to fix everything that shows up. And there's a reason behind that. It's because it's believed that the best adjustments are only given at the right time and place. So because that client has come to me and is looking for um, a way to change their environment, 
they're looking for a way to change the chi, that would be considered the right time and the right place. And as an educated practitioner, I'm bringing to them through inspiration what I feel is best for them right at this moment. No two homes and no two clients are treated the same. I approach each one entirely different and the adjustments and the knowledge that I share with them is completely different. It's a highly customized feng shui based on what I feel you need and what I get through inspiration. That's why I always caution my clients to be careful when they pick up a feng shui book and they see all these prescriptions of adjustments in there. If you have this, do this. You don't like this, change this. You want more love, place this here. It doesn't really work that way. It has to be something that you really approach with genuine sincerity to really get the true answers of what exactly your home needs. And that's where those five fundamentals come in. You really want to think about your home differently. You want to see her in a a new way and, and really understand how you feel about her and get really acquainted with those details. Because when you open up that kind of a relationship with your home, the answers will come to you. I promise. All in all, the BTB school is all about letting people have their own experience without paying homage to the ego. Really let the feng shui experience unfold for you and allow that experience to show you what you need and what your home needs. And despite many people thinking that BTB is the most esoteric and superstitious, I have found it to be the most practical. So for instance, if you pick up a feng shui book, it's often written and talked about that mirrors at the foot of a bed are bad. I don't know why. But in our school, Professor Lin always taught that mirrors at the foot of the bed actually encourage one to get up in the morning and really encourage us that the road ahead is very promising. It's also one of his greatest theories about yin and yang. He was always a big, big teacher about yin and yang and how important it is to have the two within our spaces. So you're probably saying to yourself, you're really favoring this one style. And I agree. Because I've practiced BTB the longest, I'm clearly going to be more passionate and I'm clearly going to be more knowledgeable in this school of thought. When it comes to choosing a practitioner, your best approach is going to be to determine what you're the most comfortable with. My school holds over 100 meditations within it, many ceremonies and information all about following the flow of chi. So if you're not so much into the esoteric and you're really scared about this transcendental way of approaching it, then a pyramid or more modern day school may be something for you to start with. It might be a better approach. Just do some research and see what you're comfortable with. See what resonates with you. Allow it to unfold so that you have a great experience around it. Do your research and see what style really calls to you. Because listen, no one school is better than the next. Each practitioner that's out there that practices feng shui is unique in their approach. The most important thing is their sincerity and All of them want you to achieve the best results. We all do. As practitioners, our goal is to go in and make your space feel delicious and yummy. 
None of us want to hear that you're experiencing, you know, infertility or you can't get the job or your partnership's breaking apart. You know, these are all great reasons why people call a feng shui practitioner. I would love it if people would call when things are good, but they never do. It's always because things are going wrong. And the most important thing is to find a practitioner that is sincere and genuine and truly wants to help in helping your situation. Feng shui is a healing modality that repairs the flow of energy within your home and your property or your office. It's important to remember that feng shui is only one part of the equation though. It's believed that our equation of life, so to speak, that there are five total things to consider when calculating this equation. You have to take into consideration karma, education, destiny, luck, and finally feng shui. Healing your environment helps improve your chances to boost the other four in that equation. I think it's also important to remember that feng shui requires you to do the work. I tell my clients all the time, it's going to be simple, but it ain't going to be easy. Because here's the thing, just like being a personal trainer, I can give you all the tools all damn day and tell you what to do. But if you don't do the work, it's not going to show up for you. Things won't change. So you have to be willing to work with your practitioner and taking he or she's advice on what it is that you need to do. Most feng shui practitioners out there are going to show you what's going on. They're going to explain to you why it's going on and probably the ramifications of what's showing up in your life. And then they're going to hand over tools to you. Those tools could be anything from placing items in your home. It could be a picture, a crystal, or it could be chanting. It could be mantra, ceremony, altars, any slew of things that your practitioner may recommend. But if you don't do those things, you can't blame the feng shui. And yes, I've had that happen. We've had clients that will come to us and we try to give them all of the tools under the sun to help them change their situation. And the number one question we always ask is, did you do the work? If you haven't been able to do all the work or you haven't placed all your tools or been able to do all the tools, you're not going to get the results. That's like blaming your trainer that you're still fat and you're eating donuts and not working out. It's not fair to blame your trainer. So be willing to do the work. But trust me when I say it's not necessarily going to be easy. It's kind of like the Mel Robbins five second rule. Don't overthink it. Just do it. Count down from five and start doing the work. Trust me when I say, go at it boldly and unexpected forces will come to your aid. All right, let's summarize. So when people ask me what type of feng shui I practice, it's BTB, but be sure to look into the other modalities. There's traditional or classical, modern or pyramid, and then of course, BTB. Do some research online or pick up a couple of books and see what one really resonates with you and that's a great place to start if you're curious about working with a practitioner. I got into feng shui because when I was decorating my own home, it still felt off. It felt icky, actually. And I really felt entitled, to be honest. Here I was amidst these beautiful things. I had beautiful chandeliers and granite counters and this amazing kitchen. Oh my gosh, my kitchen was so beautiful. A thousand square feet kitchen. I had the most amazing, beautiful space. I should have been happy, 
but I wasn't because it felt gross and it was the energy. So that is how I personally got into feng shui. But each practitioner is different. Each one is called to do this work for different reasons. For me, it started with my own home. And then as I saw the magic unfold for clients to come, I was hooked. I like feng shui because to me, it's the missing ingredient. It's what interior design is missing. You cannot have a beautiful space without beautiful energy. You have to do the energy first. You cannot skip to the pretty. That is my philosophy. And because you're listening to this podcast, that means it's true. (laughs) I like feng shui because I really do believe, though, that if you get the energy right and then you make the space pretty, it elevates and boosts everything in your life. To me, a space that is both beautiful and also has beautiful energy is the most elevated space that you can possibly create and and be in. That is an environment that boosts you in every sense of the word and helps every area of your life. As far as choosing a practitioner, really do research and choose somebody that really resonates with you. And even if you're not 100% sure about what this feng shui stuff is all about or you're still questioning it, be curious. Go at it boldly and unexpected forces will come to your aid. And finally, what's the best kind of feng shui? Well, there's no such thing. It's really what works for you and what makes you feel great. Whatever that looks like for you, just be open to it. Be curious. Just like the whole idea of how feng shui came about, it's about experimenting, implementing, and exploring. So go into it with childlike wonder and be willing to experiment, implement, and explore it. Simple enough, right? Thanks everyone for listening to Home Energy Design. My name is Amanda Gates, and I'm so glad that you joined me on this podcast today to learn more about feng shui. If you've got questions or comments, be sure to check out our website at gatesinteriordesign.com, or you can email us at letschat@thegatescompany.com. And hey, if you like this podcast, be sure to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe or leave us a comment or leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. All right, everyone. I hope you're having a fantastic day. And remember, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.